Hi guys, welcome back to the life of a surveyor. It's been a while, it's been quite a long time since I've put another podcast out there, so um, apologies for the delay, I've had quite a few of you asking when the next episode's coming out and you know what, why, why has it gone quiet, but you know what, since the second lockdown things have just sort of gotten busy and I've had a few other things that I've been working on in the background, so the podcast unfortunately wasn't at the top of my priority list, which is a shocker, but hopefully I haven't lost that many listeners. I haven't checked the figures recently, but there are still people listening to it, even though there's not new episodes being created, so that's positive. But, you know, as always, do like, share, let everyone know that this podcast is out there. Help a brother out. So, um, yeah. What's been happening? Lockdown 2.0. So, obviously, the UK went into a second lockdown. Well, England did. I'm in England. So, went into another national lockdown. And I think the second one wasn't as bad as the first one. I don't know if any you guys agree with that. But I think because we knew what to expect... And the fact that we've been there, done that, and the rules were slightly relaxed. I think we got through the second lockdown a bit a bit better. Now, for me, I think it was the social aspects and meeting people that I really missed. And I think that I really just sort of, I, I was quite engrossed in my work. Work's been really manic. And it might be the same for a lot of you where the, the, the sort of lockdown situation where all essential retail and all non-essential retail rather was closed and you know that's that's kind of my forte that's where I sort of come into play and I, I, I work largely with retail property so for me acting as a landlord meant that a lot of my tenants were back in the situation that they were a couple of months ago in the first lockdown where they've had to shut up shop there's no trade there's no income however we're still sending out invoices for rent so and and it's not because I'm acting as a big, greedy, mean landlord and demanding money. The note I sent out with the rent invoices was, pay what you can afford if you can, right? And this is this is to all tenants that we send this. Pay what you can, pay what you can afford, just so you don't fall into the trap of being in arrears and not making any payments at all. Because if you're if you're in a lot of arrears, that goes against you should a landlord decide to take legal action against you and sort of go down the forfeiture route you know if you've not paid anything at all towards rent that will go against you so my advice to tenants is if you're not paying anything at all pay something rather than nothing just to protect your position as a tenant in terms of the landlord and tenant relationship I would recommend that all tenants pay something towards their rent even if it's a hundred quid or 50 quid you know, something better than nothing, just so you can demonstrate if this doesn't end up in court once all these moratoriums are lifted and stuff, you can demonstrate that you did try to make a payment and things were bad at that time. And obviously, you know, the courts and landlords and and all the support is going to be there for you because everyone's in this together. The landlord's getting it in the neck from the banks because obviously landlords have to keep their payments going. Um, as yet, there's no support for landlords that I've seen personally. So, you know, if the landlord does default, the only thing that they've got at the moment is their mortgage deferments, mortgage payment deferments. So they're still liable to pay it, just pushing it down the line. So landlords aren't getting the support that that tenants and occupiers are necessarily getting in the retail world. 
Uh, the occupiers, again, they've got the business rates relief. They've got all the grants from the Chancellor of the Exchequer. So Rishi Sunak's been very generous. Obviously, he's going to come back and buy us all for it in a few years' time and say, you taxes are going to go up and I need to recoup all the money I've spent during COVID. But hey, ho, you know, we need to sort this in the present rather than worry about the future right now because coronavirus hasn't just impacted the UK, it's impacted the world. And we've got to keep the world economies going. It's not just about micro things, it's macro. Trying to get some economics in there, you know, I did it at A level, but, you know, I didn't really pay attention to it. But, you know, try and get some of those words in there makes me sound smart. I'm doing a podcast for the hell of it. But um, no, honestly, it's, it's, it's everyone's in it together. So whether you're an occupier, a tenant or a landlord, I think you just got to work together to, to come up with an amicable solution to move things forward. So if you're a tenant, you've got arrears now, you know, you might not have paid rent in the last six months, eight months. 2020 is pretty much a write off and it's messed everything up. But you might not have paid anything in terms of rent, so child insurance and you, you, your arrears will have racked up. But whilst there is that moratorium in place where landlords cannot pursue forfeiture or enforce CRA, so commercial rental arrears recovery, that's been pushed out till March 2021 at the moment. So it was it was valid until December 2020. It's now been pushed further to March 2021 now. So tenants have that additional protection for a little bit longer. But like I said, if you are a tenant, don't use that as an excuse. You know, if you can afford to pay something, so... In, in, in the world of examples, if you're a tenant who runs a restaurant, let's say, and you've been operating a takeaway service or a delivery service, you've still had some income being generated. And landlords will latch onto this. They will do their homework and investigate as to whether you were trading throughout COVID, whether it was a restricted service. That will have an impact on what sort of reliefs and not incentives, but but what sort of help they offer you. So I would recommend tenants to be honest with the landlords. Landlords will know that you've been struggling and trade hasn't been as great. And, you know, consumer confidence hasn't been great. People in the high street, you know, high streets are just dead. So everyone knows the current situation in the market, but we need to work together as landlords and tenants to come up with an amicable solution to move things forward and not to jeopardise the lease and not to lose occupiers, be it the tenants or owner occupied, whatever it is. We've got to keep keep the landlord and tenant movement going. We've got to keep people in occupation rather than look at forfeitures and taking back property because we'll just end up with a lot of voids and we'll have a recession and we'll just get out of scale. It's, it's already getting to that stage. So got to look at what sort of things are happening. I mean, we've touched on debt and arrears and stuff. And, you know, you've got your options. But like I said, try and make some sort of payments towards your lease obligations just so you protect your position. And landlords just need to be a little bit more thoughtful and considerate towards tenants, especially if it's a small to medium enterprise, sole trader, that sort of thing. The gyms, they've been hit really bad. They've only recently been able to open up again and got additional costs with cleaning regimes and stuff. Same thing with um, uh, restaurants, you know, they've had to restrict the number of covers in the restaurant to be able to facilitate the two metre distancing, social distancing rule. So the, 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 the occupiers have had higher costs. Landlords, if they're a landlord of a, say, a supermarket, uh, not a supermarket, a shopping centre, they've had additional costs because they've got to manage the, the communal areas and make sure that's all social distant 
compliant and additional cleaning uh, of the common parts and stuff like that. So there's a lot of lot of additional cost being pumped through occupying property, but the income from rental and income for occupiers through their trade has taken a hit. So it's just finding that balance to 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 take things forward. And now there are a few ways of doing this, and I've found this in um, a few deals that I've been doing. So I've been approached by a lot of tenants where they've requested further rent concessions or rent free periods. And I've mentioned this in the previous podcast as well. It's not unreasonable for them to ask that. And, you know, if there is, and I'll touch on this in a, in a little bit, if there is a pandemic clause, which I don't think any lease will have a mention of a pandemic in them. I've seen leases going back to the 1800s and I've never seen a mention. But the leases that are being drafted now are all, or a lot of them are, including pandemic clauses in them. And I'll go into that in a bit more detail in a bit. But the point is, tenants and landlords are looking to regear leases, try and reduce the rent down, maybe extend the term a little bit so it evens it out, try and get some rent deferment, so pay the rent, but pay it across a staggered amount of time, so a payment plan, or, you know, we'll do, can you write off, say, three months of debt and we'll pay nine months of the debt? So stuff like that, you know, it's just working together to come up with a deal that works for you both. Because the landlord's got to pay his bit to the banks and the tenant's got to pay it to the landlord. So it's, it's a chain. All right. It's not just about greedy landlords. And, and, and even for the institutional landlords, like all these big pension funds and um, um, insurance companies that, that, that sort of buy into real estate to, to, to fund their business and fund their policies, even for them, it, they're, they're getting to that level where they might not be able to honour people's policies. And obviously, you know, that that is an issue, but, and they will have contingencies to sort of cover it, but it could get to that stage in the future if things carry on. Now, hopefully with the vaccine coming and stuff like that, coronavirus shouldn't be an issue. And hopefully the economy will go back to, or well, not completely back to the way it was, but improve gradually to, to get to a better level than we're at at the moment. So, you know, we've just got to work to that. It is important that tenants do try and make some sort of payment to try and keep that economy model running and there's cash being generated and, you know, it's been passed through the steps to sort of get to where it needs to be and keep the economy going. So it's not just greedy landlords. It's about keeping the whole economy model, the property market going. So that's one thing. Another thing I've seen is with rent reviews and lease renewals. So with rent reviews, I've noticed a lot of the rent reviews at this time are, it's difficult to have evidence of rental increases during a pandemic. Now, I could just say that no one's taking properties in this time, but that's just not true. People are taking property. And I was watching a show on Channel 4 the other day, which was inside KFC at Christmas. And one of the segments of that was their, their sort of property stuff and how they acquire new sites. And they were talking about it and they were looking to relocate one of their, their KFC restaurants from corner of Leicester Square to on the actual square. And one of the comments was, now's the perfect time to do it. There's savings to be made. 
So whilst the market is down and there is some sort of saving to be made, people are still taking space. People are still taking property. They're still acquiring. So while people are thinking it's a pandemic, no one's taking property, businesses are shutting down, rents are falling, it's not necessarily the case. There are still acquisitions being done which are setting open market rental evidence. So don't don't be don't be under that impression that rents are falling and it's a nil increase mentality everywhere. It's not the case. I've done a few rent reviews during the pandemic where we've actually got slight rental increases. And granted, the rent review dates are prior to COVID and lockdown and stuff, but you're still negotiating. You're still looking at other deals that have been done in the area and saying, look, there is still demand. And using that in your argument to justify your, 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 your rental increase as a landlord. Now, if you're a tenant, you're obviously going to argue, you're obviously going to argue the opposite and say, look, hold on, it's a pandemic. No one's taking space. And anyone that is taking space are the likes of charity shops and sole traders and t- uh, Christmas temps. And that is also the case. I've done quite a lot of deals for temporary shops to sort of just pop up in shopping centres over a Christmas period. And it's at zero rent, all inclusive of um, service charge insurance. And all they do is cover the rate. So there is and, and obviously business rates have been abolished for until um, until March anyway. So there is literally no cost for them to operate out of that property, except pay the legal fees for the for getting the lease in the first place and pay for your fit out. And that's it. And if, if, if you're really convincing and the landlord's really desperate to get someone in, you might even get the landlord to pay a capital contribution towards your fit out. You know, because if it's just a temp shop, your fit out's not going to be massive. So you could potentially ask the landlord to, to cover that cost as well. But obviously, that just depends on how good your negotiation is and how desperate the landlord is and what what kind of deals you can get so it's all sort of specific to each different situation different property but that is the sort of stuff that's happening out there at the moment so it's quite interesting so another thing that has been happening is there have been a lot of cvas so for those of you who don't know what cvas are cva is a company voluntary administration so this is where a company decides to call in the administrators off their own back and try and fix the management of that company and try and get it back up and running and get some capital injection in there get some investment in there um, and try and save the business and it's slightly different to administration liquidation where the business is most likely going to fail and shut down completely so CVAs, there might be a bit of hope, whereas with the liquidation administration, there's not much chance of it happening, uh, not much chance of it working. So so CVAs, there's been quite a lot of big names that have gone through CVAs. Debenhams being the big one. We've had Debenhams, Peacocks. Peacocks have gone into administration. New Look. New Look have gone through administration. It's not just the fashion retailers. There's there's food retailers as well. So we've had Cafe Nero. Cafe Nero are going through a CVA. We've got Pizza Hut, the big old Pizza Hut. They've gone through CVA. Yeah, there's a lot of big names out there that are going through CVAs. You've got Moss Bros, um, the guys that do the suits. You know, they're going through one at the moment. So there's a lot of businesses that are going through the CVA process. And 
part of the CVA process is to try and reduce their rental liability. So what they will do, they'll put the business into administration, point it to the administrators to occupy the premises under a license, and that license is kept strictly between the occupier and the administrator. So the landlord doesn't even know what terms the administrators are occupying under. And you could argue it's an illegal occupation because they haven't got consent to occupy that building. So if you're a landlord and your tenant's gone into administration, you could argue that it's an illegal occupation and that could be basis to throw them out and evict them and terminate the tenancy. Now, obviously, you have to get proper legal advice on this and, and do it the right way. I'm not a solicitor or a legal expert on this, so I can't advise on that. But if you're a landlord and, you, and your tenant goes into CVA, seek expert advice ASAP because you do need to move quickly to protect your position if your tenant is in a CVA and has appointed the administrators and is occupying under the administrator's license. So just be careful of that. So part of the CVA is agreeing compromised rents with landlords. So these compromised rents will be a lower rent to what your passing rent is. And it could be say 30% of it, 50% of it, 10% of your passing rent. And that gets put into clusters of all the properties you have, you, your best performing stores you can you want to keep. So they might pay say 50% of the rent or 70% of the rent. Your second cluster, which are okay shops, and it won't really harm you if you want to get rid of it, you might pay 50% of the rent on those ones. So 70 for the good ones, 50 for the okay ones. And then you've got your next cluster, which are the ones that aren't performing, they're underperforming, and you just want to lose those. And you might pay 30% rent on those. The landlords are going to say, well, I can get someone in there who will pay me 100% of the rent rather than keep you in paying 30%. So the CVA will give an option to determine the lease. So it will give the landlord an option and the, the, the tenant an option to determine the lease either way. And it will dictate the terms basically of what, what you can and can't do. It basically trumps the lease. So, you know, even if you've got say six years without any breaks left on the lease unexpired, the CVA trumps that. So the tenant can walk away. And then obviously if you're a landlord, it's an assigned lease and you've got a guarantor that can step in and start making those rental payments, you're okay. But if you've got no protection, no security, no sureties, you're a little bit stuck and you kind of got to either agree to that compromised rent and keep this tenant in or get them out, put it on the market and try and get a new tenant in at similar terms or at reduced terms. But that's the sort of risk you need to be analysing. So there's been quite a lot of CVAs and I think the figures I saw that there's been well over, I think it was between 80 and 100 and... 15 CVAs in this last year alone. It's, it's, it's really bad. There's a lot of retailers going through the CVA process and some of them might be playing the CVA game, as I like to call it, just to try and get reduced rents and try and regear leases without having to technically regear them. You surrender it under the CVA and then you make a new company and naming no names, <coughs> go outdoors. JD Sports, who own Go Outdoors, has tried to do something similar and it's it's it just feels like they're trying to play the game and try and influence the rental levels and dictate reduced rents and stuff on, on sites that really work for them. So it, it's 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 a tactic that some retailers are using, I feel. But then 
there are some genuine retailers who are struggling and have genuinely been forced down that route because they can't survive in the in the current environment so if you do have a tenant that is going through a CVA, just see what they're doing. Are they playing the game or are they genuinely struggling and see what you can do? You know, it could be that your decision can save that business as a landlord. And if you're the tenant and you're in a CVA, there's huge impacts because you've then got to think about, yeah, granted, you'll get a lower rent and stuff, but you're keeping your 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 staff on, 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 on their toes because you don't know which way it's going to go right until the end day. So you've got, to, you've got to kind of balance it both ways as a landlord and tenant because as a tenant in a CVA, you've got to look at the operational side of it. You've got to keep your suppliers, your supply chain, your staff um all, all the products and stuff you've got to keep all that going right until the end but then if, if you if you if you know you're going to be shutting you need to start looking at redeploying your resources elsewhere so there's that to think about as well i think that kind of covers for me the property market in lockdown 2.0 so there's been quite a lot happening in the property world and there's been quite a lot going on but i think Personally, I think I've been busier than ever, not just from a management point of view, but from sort of acquisitions, disposals. It's, it's all been going. It's all been happening. And I don't think there's been a slow in, in, in demand or anything. I think people are still acquiring and taking on new property. Property deals haven't really been affected that much. The few things that I have seen is where you've got lease renewals and rent reviews going on. People are asking for more sort of incentives. Rent reviews we've spoken about. Lease renewals, I've seen, you know, you could have terms ready to go, agreed heads of terms in solicitors' hands, and the other side can come back and say, no, no, that doesn't work for us anymore. We need to do this instead. And, and like I mentioned, the pandemic clause. So with lease renewals now, it's, a lease renewal should be on the same basis as the existing lease, right? But given we've gone through a pandemic and things have now changed, a lot of occupiers are now asking to include a pandemic clause within their leases, which basically says there will be a suspension of rent should another pandemic occur or should there be another lockdown type situation. It just puts a rent suspension as soon as a pandemic is here. But there's a lot of different things that you need to consider. And this, this will be more for the drafting and the way it's worded and more for the solicitors to argue. But a few things you want to consider if you are looking at putting a pandemic clause in your lease. And if you're a tenant, I would definitely recommend it that you do consider putting some sort of wording in your lease to say if there is a national lockdown or a pandemic or, or a major incident or major event which causes your business to shut down, your rent gets suspended or it's then based on a turnover rent or something or something that just protects your position and gets you to pay something less. Because if you've got no income coming in, but your rent is still the same, you're going to struggle. So you want to look at mechanisms to try and protect your position as a tenant. So you can have your base rent throughout it. But as soon as a pandemic hits and that pandemic clause is in there, it kicks in you go on to a turnover rent or a reduced rent, which can be pre-agreed. The difficulty there you've got is how is that pandemic date calculated and what, what, what consists of a pandemic, who dictates what a pandemic is and when a pandemic starts, is, is there official dates or there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ambiguity about it. And it, that's why you need to have it worded to the nth degree. So it's, it's, it's foolproof, but like I said, that's for the solicitors to sort of decide. But 
if you are negotiating a new lease, your renewal of a lease, you want to try and get this in there as a tenant. If you're a landlord, run. Don't agree to it. It's going to cause you havoc and you will lose out in the long run. So playing devil's advocate here, but I've got to advise both ways. So pandemic clauses, great if you're a tenant, don't do it if you're a landlord. So that was all the property related stuff during lockdown. But I just want to try and hit a bit of the personal stuff because the podcast is called The Life of a Surveyor. So as well as all the sort of property stuff that I've been doing and, you know, all the work that I've been doing, I've also had a few things happening in my personal life as well. So I thought I'd I'll do a little segment on that as well, because from the feedback I've got, everyone likes the little personal bit and they can they can find out more about me. So I want to try and include a bit more of those going forward. So what's been happening in my life? So like I said in the intro, I've been sidetracked by a few other things that I've been doing. And during lockdown, we were fortunate to be able to celebrate Diwali, albeit not with friends and family. But there were there were there were sort of online um, prayers and stuff and celebrations and obviously fireworks and stuff. And me being a Hindu, I celebrate Diwali every year, usually in London with family and at the temple. And for those of you that are in London, if you've been to Neesden Temple in North London, just off the A406 North Circular Road opposite IKEA, you'll know how big an event it is. And Diwali and the day after Diwali, which is the Hindu New Year, those are the two biggest events for Hindus. And at Neesden Temple, it attracts tens of thousands of people. And I'm one of the volunteers that helps facilitate that. So if you're ever out in Neesden at Diwali or New Year, Hindu New Year, please do shout. I'd love to meet you guys. So just a little plug in there. Not, not officially, I'm not sponsored by them or anything. But yeah, if you're there, please do come down. Now, obviously, this year it wasn't as grand. Obviously, 30,000 people in one place. Hey, coronavirus, you're going to have a hell of a time, aren't you? So this year it was all online and there was prayers and webcasts of, of the Arti, which is waving of the candles by the deities and stuff. So it was, it was really good. It was, it was weird, but really good at the same time that you can sort of enjoy the celebrations from the comfort of your home. Then the downside for me was I couldn't see my family. Now, one of the things that we tend to do at Diwali is go and see all our family and get their blessings. So, so that, that was kind of a downside for me that I couldn't do that this year. But that being said, I had something even bigger, which I have had planned for a few years. And I think this year with, with sort of lockdown and COVID and sort of working from home and stuff like that, I've had a bit more time or just time to focus on this project that I've had in the back of my mind for ages. And um, I felt that Diwali 2020 was the perfect time to launch this project. Now, what is this project, my review say? So, this project is called Bhojan Dan, which means the gift of food. Bhojan means food, Dan means to offer. And Bhojan Dan is a project that I've had in the back of my mind for a while. And I've, I've discussed this with my friends and family and stuff and said, look, I really want to do something. And from the number of visits that I've had to India, I've noticed that there is a lot of poverty in India. And I know it's improving and there's, it's getting better and India's developing and stuff. But there's always been that poverty sort of thing that, that it's, it's there. It's always going to be there. You're never going to end poverty there. But if you can do something to help, 
I think, do it. And it's something that's quite close to my heart. I do like to do a lot of charity work. So previously, I've, I've been supporting a charity in India called Mukti, who provide artificial limbs to those who can't afford them. So any amputees that are across the country can receive a new limb, be it an artificial arm, an artificial leg, calipers. What I've done is for the next 15 years, on my birthday, my parents' birthdays, and any other special events, someone gets a new limb. For me, the best birthday gift I can get personally is knowing that someone is getting a new limb and that's going to sort of change their life. And the reason that I support this charity is I've actually been out there. So even before I donated to them for the first time, they said, look, if you want to come out to Chennai, which is where they're based, and see what we're about, see where we make all the limbs and see what, our, what, 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 what sort of stuff we've got going on and where where all the people that have come to get the limbs stay and, you know, all, all their facilities, come and check it out. If you think it's right, then donate. Don't just give us money for the hell of it. And that's one of the things that I really liked, that they weren't pushing to um, to get donations. They, were, they, they, they actually wanted to show what you're getting for your money, which is great. And I think all charities should have that same approach. So I, I, I made the donation and then I went over to India because you know, I, 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 I was sort of amazed by what they do anyway but seeing it firsthand and playing football with these guys you know there were kids there who were six seven years old and they've just had their new new um, artificial leg put in and they're, they're playing football and I'll tell you what it was the most careful I've ever been trying to tackle someone because they've just got a new leg and yeah, they're playing football with you you don't want to knock that leg off hardly had it a day so um yeah no it was great mukti uh, mukti foundation which was founded by um a, a retired major an, an indian army major major dada who started the charity so i read into it did the background research and then sort of went for it and then obviously went out there and saw what they're doing and i think they've now um expanded sort of internationally as well so i think they do bits in south america as well off, off my head but i sort of tend to focus on the india from my indian heritage as well so that's one of the charities I do. I also try and support Great Ormond Street Hospital as much as I can, just sort of doing fundraising and stuff like that using Amazon Smile. So Amazon Smile is pretty much Amazon, but the sort of sort of kick from that is charities get paid a percentage from any purchases that you make. So you don't pay anything extra for whatever you're buying and you don't have to pay anything, donate anything. Amazon do that for you. So if you're using Amazon, just use Amazon Smile instead and the char charities benefit from it. So, and it's all registered charity, so you'll know it's going to the right place. And they also send you, Amazon actually send you a um, statement every time, uh, I think it's every year or every quarter, they send you a statement to see what, what, what sort of donations they've been making through your expenditure. So again, it, it's kind of backed up. So it's not just money goes to Amazon. If you do want to buy stuff on Amazon, try and help someone, use Amazon Smile. So that's just a few examples of stuff I've been doing um, during COVID as well. I've been sort of um, supplying antibacterial hand gels to care homes, to homeless shelters, people that adopt kids. So I was contacted by someone who, who said that their mum is foster parent and they had about, I think it was about seven or eight kids with them, living with them at the moment and uh, at the time. And they really needed hand gels and they didn't, they couldn't get them anywhere. So I sent them a load and they were like, we'll pay for them. I'm like, no, you know, if I can help you guys out in any way I can, I'll do it. So 
I think it's just, it's just in me. I just I just love doing charity work. So as a result, I decided to sort of pursue Bojandan, the gift of food. So what is Bojandan all about? So this was an idea that I it's not a unique idea. I will admit there are other people doing it in the world, but what I sort of wanted to do is to try and get away from the people just sort of begging for money and food and try and give them that little bit more respect and 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 stature and and just try and help them to 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 find a place in society so a lot of these people you'll see them sitting out in the streets and just sat there with their pots and pans and just waiting for money or food or something and i just want to change that for a bit and, and you know give them a little bit of an experience a little bit of a change and a little bit of dignity and respect that they deserve so the concept of bojandan is for three pounds so it'll be 300 rupees rough calculation conversion rates right for three pounds i'll keep it in pounds just keep it simple there will be a 15 item buffet at table buffet served to the homeless throughout the day and the three pounds is donated by people donating money so the money will always already be in the pot but it's for me it's more the experience for these people that they can sit down at a table at a chair be served the food rather than just having food chucked at them there's no choice for them and you know they're limited to what they can eat no this is unlimited you can have a buffet you can eat as much as you want your meal's been paid for by a donor and three pounds to pay for one person's meal that's a meal deal from boots or tesco's or sainsbury's where you're only getting a sandwich crisps and a drink here you're getting 15 different items including food and drink so you'll you'll probably for three pounds fill that person up for the whole day i mean for, for them it might be a lifetime of food so for me it, it, it's not just about the food it's, it's the respect and dignity and for them to come in in the warmth sit down you know, in the warmth in the winter, but when it's hot outside, it'll be air conditioned. Um, you know, just giving them that little haven to just chill out for a bit and just enjoy their food, sit down, be treated with respect, get that little bit of dignity, enjoy your meal, have a bit of a break, and then you can crack on with your day. The, the, the hope is to promote this through the use of social media. I'll, I'll, I'll be looking out for social media influencers, foodies, people doing charity work, looking at sort of getting involved with them, getting them out there, shout out the name Bojandan, get people to come to the restaurant, promote it. Um, and you know what? It's not just about donating money. You could donate time. So it's just kicked off in November. And you know what, it's been going for about a month or so, and there's been quite a lot of movement. Shout out to the people that have helped at the moment. Um, so we've had people like um, Anup Patel, Amish Patel, Yashna Rulay, Nidhi Mehta, they've all been helping, Vishali Solanki. They've all been sort of helping out in their own ways. There've been people donating. So they've set up a GoFundMe page at the moment, um, just while we get the whole charity set up and get all the bank details sorted and get trustees on board and everything. So it's all going to be above board. So it's not just collect some money and give it to some people to go out and eat. Oh, there's my Alexa going off, but just ignore that. Um, yeah, so it's not just about collecting a bit of money and a one-off thing. I want this to be a sustainable project and I want it to run and, you know, just keep it going. And, you know, how's it all going to work? Well, as soon as um, I'm able to and it's safe to do so, I want to get out to India, find a location for Bojandan. 
set up a restaurant. I'm looking at sort of spiritual places like Haridwar, which is the top contender at the moment. If I can find a space in Haridwar, set that up, fit it out, and you know, try and get some investors on board to pump some money in through contacts and networking, just to get that initial setup. The running of it, I don't think will be a problem. There will be people passing through Bojandan once it's set up who will be willing. I know they will be willing to make donations there and then. If you see a sign saying feed someone for three pounds, I don't know a person that will say no, especially if you're visiting India from abroad. You know, I would do it. I'm pretty sure there's loads of other people that will do the same thing. So I know it's a feasible venture. I say venture, it's more an initiative, a project, a, a charity. Um, I know it's feasible. I know it can work. I just need support. So if you are interested in getting involved, visit www.bojandan.com. So that's B-H-O-J-A-N-D-A-A-N.com. Look on the website. You can get in touch directly with me, either through social media, through the website, give me a call, text, whatever. I'm not asking for your money at this stage, although any donations are welcome. But, you know, if you have a skill that you think you can put towards Bojandan, it could be marketing, artwork, social media, managing social media, fundraising, anything. You know, if you're a chef and you fancy a change and want to cook for a good cause, get in touch. So, so that's the project that I've been working on sort of over the last few months. And, and yeah, it's, 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 it's officially launched and it's out there. I just need your support and your blessings to, to just make it a success. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And I just hope that there are people out there that are willing to help me progress it and make it a success. So please, please do get in touch if you do think you can help or you want to help. Um, even if it's a donation, even if it's three pounds, hey, that will feed a person. And that's what this is all about. This, that's what Porjandine is all about. So, you know, even if you just make a one-off payment for three pounds, you've fed a person. And, and that is just great in my eyes. So enough about Porjandine. Um, I can go on about it forever and ever, but um, it's there. Check it out. Um, and I think that kind of brings me on to the final bit, which is just to say it's been a mental year. I can't believe we're in December already. Christmas is literally a week away. So um, it, all I can say is thank you for listening and thank you for staying with me on my journey on the podcast and everything really. And really appreciate all the feedback and support that you've been given as well. And as ever, feedback Please just tell me as it is. I won't get offended. Any feedback, good or bad, let me know how I'm doing. If you don't want to listen to any more of these podcasts, tell me. If they're not interesting anymore, tell me. If you want to hear other things, tell me. So, yeah, keep that going. Um, as ever, please promote, tell people this podcast is out there. Tell people that Bojandan is out there. And I think there's nothing else for me to say except have a wonderful Christmas. Stay safe. And hopefully you get to see your families and friends over the course of those five days that the UK government have let us meet people and, you know, have to have the sort of three household meetings and obviously try and keep safe and keep your distance and stuff. But yeah, have a safe Christmas, have a very Merry Christmas and an amazing New Year. And I shall see you all in 2021, where I hope it's going to be so much better than 2020 and you know what there's going to be a lot more stuff that's going to be happening in 2021 
with me. So, you know, stay tuned for the journey. It's going to be amazing. So God bless. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Stay tuned for next year. Bring on 2021.